0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Men Insights podcast. I do sincerely hope you all are having a lovely week, and that hopefully you will have an even better weekend. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Radio Public, Breaker, or YouTube, and please be sure to follow me on Twitter at IamFozitude for any and all future podcast information. On today's episode, we'll be discussing my thoughts and predictions for the WWE's first annual Stompy Grounds pay-per-view event happening just two weeks after the Super Showdown event in Saudi Arabia, which I did not watch. But from what I've read, it was a decent enough show, except for Undertaker vs. Goldberg, and it's best we pretend that match never happened. But before I get into my predictions for Stompy Grounds, I want to start this podcast off by first talking about this. On Father's Day, Mr. Zack Snyder decided to drop a few bombs on us fans over on Vero, which I can't stress enough is the least dramatic social media site you could ever be part of, and I encourage all of you listening to please check it out. Anyway, the first bomb came in the form of Victor Stone, aka Cyborg, and his family inside the mother boxes. Yes, you heard that right. Inside the mother boxes. In the image shared by Zack, we see Victor looking at himself with his parents and the caption saying, Careful, Victor. If you go inside the mother boxes, they will fuck with you big time. That's not Father's Day. That's a trick. Wow. The only other details we know about this image is that it happens during the third act, which is fairly obvious, with a fan on Vero named jbird821 asking, is this anywhere near where he he screams Barry at Zack Snyder, please? To which Zack replied right after that when Barry runs time back after the League's initial failure and uses the epic jolt of Speed Force to project Fick into the Mother Boxes. Because that is the only way to destroy the Unity. And what that means, at least from my interpretation, is that what we saw in the theatrical cut with Superman and Cyborg ripping the Unity apart was not entirely what Zack had in mind for that scene, and that there was more, much more. Uh, and then the second bomb that Zack decided to drop on us, an image of Darkseid. Yes, that's right, Darkseid. Or rather, his younger self, known as Uxis. Or Uxus. I'll just say Uxus. The image that Zack shared is very clearly taken from the history lesson, where we saw in the theatrical cut that it was Steppenwolf fighting all these armies of Amazon and Atlanteans and Lanterns and other... You know, people. But here instead we see Uxus standing on that same battlefield with the caption saying, Speaking of Father's Day, here's the King Daddy. Hashtag Uxus and the Anti Life. <sighs> Why, Warner Brothers? Why did you rob us of this? Why? Fucking hell, man. See, this is what we were supposed to see in the first Justice League back in 2017, but no! Instead, we got a very tame looking Steppenwolf in his place that wasn't even supposed to be in that part of the movie. We were going to get a great epic battle, like we saw in the opening of the first Lord of the Rings film back in 2001, where we would have seen Ares fighting Oxus in an amazing fight amongst all the carnage surrounding them. We were supposed to get that movie. Instead, we got a three-minute chopped-up, out-of-sequence history lesson, and more evidence of this. You know, as far as these that it was supposed to be Uxas instead of Steppenwolf, uh, is That after killing Yalanger, the Green Lantern that we saw in the theatrical cut of the film, there's a quick a quick glimpse at what is actually Uxas, because there is a lack of armor for that quick second on screen time. Which, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you can see. On the image on the screen right now. Plus, when the lantern ring flies off, the pattern for which it does so is very much in that of Darkseid's Omega beams. Plus, there's also the concept art of both Oxus and Seven Wolf that essentially confirm that all they did was just swap character heads for the theatrical cut, and Otto's those fans wouldn't notice. We did. Again, I ask, why? Why were we robbed of seeing something that would have been so amazing to experience? This is what happens when you place your priorities into becoming MCU 2.0 and getting those end-of-the-year bonuses instead of providing what even the biggest Zack Snyder haters admit would have been a much better film to watch. So Warner Brothers, please, release the motherfucking Snyder Cut. And now, an update for Project Comic-Con. The campaign has reached level 4 and currently sits at 23,480 as I am recording this, which is absolutely amazing. Congratulations to everyone involved in this great campaign, and thank you to everyone who has contributed so far. And with that, we have officially unlocked level 5, and here is the information provided for level 5. Ladies and gentlemen, Spartans all, we have already achieved the impossible. Thanks to each and every one of you, we have successfully funded a two hour airborne banner over Comic Con, a digital billboard on the highway into San Diego, a half page color ad in the San Diego Comic Con special issue of the Hollywood Reporter, and a full series of ads wrapping all around a strategically located bus stop. Level 4 of Project Comic Con is now complete. We have already succeeded beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And yet, we would be remiss if we don't honor Zack Snyder's complete vision for the DCEU, his five-part arc for Superman, Lois Lane, and then the Justice League. So, what will Level 5 look like? Well, dear Spartans, once again, as we did with Level 3, we leave the exact scope of this all final Ultimate Level for Project Comic Con to you. There are two things we're looking for here. First, we're after a mobile billboard to be driven up and down the streets of the convention center. With Ramesh de Silva as his at his busiest, focusing on making the effective mini museum at the bus stop the absolute best it can be. This mobile billboard's art will be designed by our treasurer, Alessandro himself, an experiencing sorry, Alessandro himself, an expert in marketing. We are also looking for giving a solid boost to our boots on the ground. With the increasingly massive scope you've helped us reach over the past several months, we now feel that we must upgrade our ground game accordingly. Our outreach, with the resulting massive number of additional flyers and swag, will now be the likes of which Comic Con has never seen before and possibly never will see again. The upgrades we're looking for, as estimated by our ground game organizers, the Nerd Queens, will require Doubling for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, of course, requires $2,600. As for the mobile billboard, well, that's where the flexibility comes in. There are two possibilities here. A standard issue mobile billboard for $5,600 with a deadline of June 30th, or a digital mobile billboard for $7,850 with a deadline of July 13th. And doubling for AFSP, those are our options of eleven thousand two hundred or fifteen thousand seven hundred. Whichever one we pick will be up to you. As there is no deadline for the surge in crown game supplies, that will be the last piece funded. After the choice of billboard is determined by your generosity and preference. Adding our previous grand total of twenty one thousand four hundred and ten plus pounding up. To account for expenses paid for to GoFundMe. The first tier for level five, the standard mobile billboard, will be a grand total of thirty-two thousand six hundred and fifty. The second alternative tier, the digital billboard, will be a grand total of thirty seven thousand one hundred and fifty. The standard standard mobile billboard plus ground game funds, thirty five thousand three hundred. The digital billboard plus ground game funds, thirty nine thousand eight hundred. Now it is very likely, in the limited time we have left before Comic-Con, that we won't raise either amount required for a mobile billboard. In the event that rest assured that we will direct, in that event, rest assured that we will direct one thousand three hundred dollars to the ground game. Regardless, the remainder of additional funds raised after covering expenses for, for GoFundMe will go to AFSP. Do not think of that as a failure in any way. Your money has still been put to productive use for our movement and for AFSP. We will have made level 5 something to remember one way or another. It's all up to you, ladies and gentlemen. We continue to thank you for all of your continued generosity and support of Project Comic Con. Let's make this grand finale something to remember. Whew. That was a lot to read. (sighs) But yes, level 5 of Project Comic Con involves having a billboard to make its way around the convention center at San Diego Comic Con. As they said in that statement, the campaign might not actually reach this exact goal, but I've learned to never underestimate the power of the people because we fans, we supporters, we contributors to the Release the Starter Cut movement have shown just how powerful we can be. So let's show everyone once again that we can do this, Let's make this happen come July 18th, 2019. And speaking of San Diego Comic-Con... It has been confirmed that Marvel Studios will be having a panel at Hall H for San Diego Comic-Con this year after skipping last year's event. Now, this is an interesting development, and many are speculating, including myself, that this is in response to Warner Brothers not having a Hall H panel this year. Perhaps likely that the people running the show were desperate for some good shit to go down in Hall H, which I don't blame them if that's the case. Not much information is currently available as far as what we can expect to see on this panel, but the most likely possibilities would be a first look at the Black Widow film that it's currently filming and set to hit theaters next year, as well as the reveal of the slate for Phase 4 of the MCU to come over the next few years. Most likely, this will include Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 because, of course, we already know those films are coming. It's just a matter of when. Now, what else do I hope we will get from this panel? Well, personally, I would love to get some kind of teaser or hint at what we will be getting when the X-Men and Fantastic Four officially join the MCU. Now, I don't think it'll be part of Phase 4 because even Kevin Feige has said numerous times that they won't be in Phase 4. But at the same time, you just never know. Case in point, if you remember from a few years ago when they showed off their Phase 4 slate uh, for 2014 to 2019, originally it did not include Spider-Man at all. But that all changed when they were able to work out that deal with Sony, and then the slate was changed and other films got shifted around to different release dates in order to accommodate the inclusion of Spider-Man in their new plans for the MCU. So as of right now, the Phase 4 plans do not include X-Men or Fantastic Four, but that can all change at San Diego Comic-Con, so we'll just have to wait and see what Feige and company will give us on that grand stage in Hall H. And while on the subject of the MCU, apparently it's been confirmed that they're re-releasing Avengers Endgame in theaters next weekend with added footage that will include a new post credit scene, even though it's still in theaters in most cities from my understanding. Anyway, a lot of fans are looking at this as Fargy not being able to accept that his big film is only the second highest grossing film of all time. And honestly, I agree with those people. I mean, you know, as of right now I don't plan on seeing it because I'm honestly just content with waiting on the Blu-ray release. But I know many of the MCU fans will happily spend more of their money for the 1,000th time just so they can say that their film beat Avatar. But the most hilarious part of all this Disney owns both films. They own Avengers Endgame and they own Avatar. So they win no matter what happens. But will this re release be enough to push Endgame to that number one spot? I have no idea. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Fear the Mouse House. And the last non wrestling bit of news I wanted to talk about is the news that writer, producer, director JJ Abrams and his production company Bad Robot partnering up with Warner Media. Now, coming from The Hollywood Reporter, and I will provide the link to this in the description for this podcast so you can read the entire thing, as I'll only be reading part of it. The story reads. Following a month-long courting process that included multiple suitors, Warner Media is in final negotiations for a new partnership with Bad Robot, sources say. It's unclear how many years the new agreement is for, as the deal that would keep Abrams with the company he has called home since 2006 has not yet been finalized. Still, sources have estimated that any new pact for Bad Robot could be valued in the $500 million vicinity when all is said and done. That would put the deal at the top of the recent wave of nine-figure packs for prolific producers, including Greg Berlanti, 400 million with Warner Brothers TV, Ryan Murphy, 300 million from Netflix, and Shonda Rhimes, 100 million from Netflix. Now, under the deal, Abrams and company will continue to create and develop new projects for Warner Media and supervise other producers across film, television, and digital platforms. And The pact arrives after Abrams and Bad Robot were considered the biggest fish in the overall deal waters. Multiple studios and streamers at least kicked their tires or engaged in a hyper-competitive effort to woo Abrams and McGrath on a possible rich pact for the company behind hits, including HBO's Westworld and Hulu's Castle Rock, among others. Now, I, for one, am very excited about this news because I am a fan of Abram's work. I love the shows like Lost and Alias. I enjoyed his Star Trek films, and I'm not even a Star Trek fan, but I loved his Star Trek films. And I loved The Force Awakens. And I am very much looking forward to seeing what he and Chris Terrio deliver with The with the Rise of Skywalker come December 20th of this year. And a lot of DC fans are especially excited for this because years ago, before Superman Returns happened... Abrams was going to direct his own Superman film, at the time titled Superman Flyby, and it was going to potentially star Henry Cavill, and there's even images from his test screening that you can easily find with a quick Google search. I would love to see that test footage. Um, I'm I'm sure it would be very fascinating to watch. (laughs) So, as the big Superman fan, you all already know me to be. This gives me some hope that we'll finally get that Man of Steel sequel that so many of us have been begging for 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 over six years now. Or maybe even a Justice League 2 or a Green Lantern core film. Either one would be fine by me. And he's also good friends with Zack Snyder, as both directors, They shared, you know, little images teasing each other on social media around the time that Force Awakens and Batman vs. Superman were coming out, with pictures representing the other man's films, like Snyder sharing a photo of Henry Cavill dressed as a Sith Lord, and J.J. Abrams sharing a photo of C-3PO dressed as Batman. Uh, Both films are, or both photos are, they were delightful for me as a fan of both, you know, Batman and Superman and Star Wars so with that little bit of knowledge in our heads many fans are anticipating that he'll be a crucial factor in the in the eventual release of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League but we shall see what is to become of this partnership between Bad Robot and Warner Media have hope my friends the best is yet to come all right i'm going to take a break now so i can catch my breath and prepare for the second half of this podcast so don't go anywhere because I will be right back. Alright, I am back. Let's get to those predictions. First matchup that we have, uh, which more than likely is going to be on the kickoff of Stomping Grounds, we have Tony Nice defending his Cruiserweight Championship in a triple threat match versus Akira Tazawa and Drew Gulak. And I, as I believe I said on my last two pay-per-view prediction podcast, haven't been paying much attention to 205 Live, uh, which you I know, probably should, because it's one of the better wrestling shows that WWE has right now. Um, but as usual, I'm a fan of all three men. Uh, Akira Tozawa has impressed me very much since the first day that he walked in, and Drew Gulak. Uh, I've grown to appreciate his skills and his character and his personality. And Tony Neese, of course, I you know love him, uh, fellow New York guy. So you know, gotta support my my fellow New Yorkers. Uh, and Drew Gulak, um, is he's had a few chances at the gold before against uh, Cedric Alexander, and I believe he had like one or two matches against him. I'm not a hundred percent sure though, uh, and I feel like he had a match with Buddy Murphy, but I can't remember. Uh, and Akira Tazawa, he is a former cruiserweight champion. I believe he was in the summer of 2017. He was the one to uh, dethrone uh, Neville uh, at the, for, the, for his first reign as champion, but I don't know. It's been a while. I haven't. I should probably check that stuff out again. But yeah, my prediction for this match. I mean Of course, it's going to be a lot of awesome high flying, two o five live action that we always come to expect. But I feel like in this this is going to be the match where Drew Gulak finally. Captures the uh, Cruiserweight Championship after, you know, at this point almost three years that he's been on this journey to capture the Cruiserweight Championship. And so that's my prediction. Drew Gulak, new Cruiserweight Champion. And then another match we have up is the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, defending against Tucker and Otis, Heavy Machinery. And they've been teasing this story off and on for about two, almost three months now, and finally we're getting this match, which I'm happy we're finally getting it, because, I mean, it just seems like WWE just does not give a shit about their tag team division again, after, you know, after doing such a great job of building up the teams over the last couple of years, now it's just, they just don't give a shit anymore. For all the Raw tag titles, they don't give a shit, SmackDown tag titles, they don't give a shit, the Women's tag titles, they don't give a shit. I mean, and hell the SmackDown with the women's tag team titles. They announced this week, after the Kabuki Warriors of Asuka and Kairi Sane being absent for about a month, that they just announced, oh, next week in Japan, you're they're gonna you iconics and kabuki Warriors are gonna fight, and if Kabuki Warriors win, then they get a shot at the titles. And my thoughts on that are why not just have the match the title match on the pay-per-view. Or why not just have the match in Japan beef with the titles? Why do they have to have a match in Japan to decide if they're gonna get the title shot? Just have the title match. I mean, come on. Hey, I mean they made the biggest deal with hyping up oh we're gonna have the smack we're gonna have a women's tag team championship, women's tag team division. Yeah, you know, fans asked for it and we're gonna get it. And then we've had two champions so far you know, Boston Art Connection and the Iconics, and the Iconics have defended it maybe twice in three months that they've been champions. Um I don't know, just why couldn't they just have the match on the pay per view for the titles? I don't know. but anyways, yeah, you know, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus heavy machinery. <sighs> I mean, I'm not expecting much from this match. I mean it's gonna be an entertaining match, you know, so I at least look forward to that. And but my prediction is that Rowan and Brian are gonna retain and just I mean I'm gonna be honest with you guys. On on paper this pay-per-view looks looks like shit to me. It just I I do not expect much out of this pay-per-view at all. I mean I mean Raw and Smackdown were good this week, but you know, the pay-per-view again on paper I just don't care. But my prediction, Danny, Brian, and Rowan to retain. Then we have a Euro- the United States Championship, Samoa Joe defending against Ricochet as decided in a Fatal Five Way Elimination on Raw, where Ricochet won the number More Contender spot after outlasting uh, after outlasting Braun Strowman and Cesaro and Bobby Lashley and The Miz, um, and you know Samoa Joe. If you remember his work in TNA, like I do. Uh, he works very well with the smaller high flyer wrestlers, as evident by his matches with Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles, and and even like Amazing Red and Chushan Thunder Liger at the first Bound for Glory pay per view. Um, yeah. so I'm. This is one of the matches I am looking forward to a lot because it's, if they give it the time that it deserves, it can be a phenomenal match. It can be a great, great match. It could be. It could be Ricochet's best match since coming to the main roster of WWE, um, and honestly, I am with all this, you know, because you know Mysterio injured himself and had to forfeit the belt, and I'm pretty sure he was actually supposed to. They were supposed to have one more match on this pay per view, Joe and Mysterio for the for the US title, but of course, you know, Mysterio got hurt had to forfeit the belt because we don't know how long he's going to be out, which sucks because Mysterio just came back in October, and, I mean, I know, you know, he's he's in his 40s, and he's had a lot of injuries over his career, but, you know, he's in the best shape that he's ever been, um, I thought that he was, he was over the injury bug, but, you know, I guess you never really get over it, but, yeah, um... I'm pretty, my prediction is actually that I think Ricochet is going to win this one, because I know f- they were teasing that him and Aleister Black were going to win the tag titles f- at some point. But you know, since they split them up, have Ricochet on Raw and Aleister Black on SmackDown doing a lot of promos that so far have led to nothing. Even though I like the promos, uh, um, I'm just I think this is, that this is going to be the the push that Ricochet. Uh, You know, has been needing since coming to the main roster earlier this year. And this is going to, you know, skyrocket him to, to, like, the upper mid card. You know, and hopefully he'll have a good and lengthy title reign if he does win. But that's my prediction. Ricochet, new United States champion. And the next matchup that we have on this list is... SmackDown Women's Champion Bayley defending against Alexa Bliss, who will have Nikki Cross in her corner. And they've had matches before on on Raw for the Raw Women's Championship, and I'm I think they've crossed crossed paths once or twice on NXT, but I don't remember. Uh, but they've had good matches before. Uh, both women are very good wrestlers. Uh, I especially love Bayley. Um, and. For a lot of reasons, which you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you are very much aware of what my reasons are. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I'm expecting this to be a pretty good match. I, I'm not, ex- I don't expect it to be a show stealer kind of match. I mean, yeah, uh, because after touting the women's revolution that they did for the last two years, you know, they kind of put the women's matches on the, you know, on the side again. But you know. Um, Get to that a little more in a in a few minutes, but yeah, this, this, for this one, I'm predicting that uh, because they've been kind of teasing it over the last few weeks, that Bailey's gonna win and retain the match, but it'll be by uh, well, well, not the show win, but that Alexa Bliss will win, and it'll be by DQ with interference from Nikki Cross, uh, but Bailey to re- remain SmackDown Women's Champion. Well, again, my but yeah, that's my prediction. Alexa Bliss by DQ. Due to interference from Nikki Cross and Bailey retaining her championship in the process, um, but hopefully you know the match will be much better than I'm anticipating it to be. Uh, and then the next match that was kind of added last minute this week is New Day versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Now this is a one that, and you know if it if it had happened two year, two or three years ago, it would have been for the tag team titles. <laughs> um, but hey, you know this is a semi. Main event tag team kind of match for the SmackDown brand, uh, ish because Sami Zayn is a, is officially a Raw superstar, which you know wild card is the wild card rules bullshit at this point. So yeah, but yeah, this is I this one is de- another one that I definitely expect to be a very good and very entertaining and great match, uh, and which I mean, I'm hoping that Sami Zayn. Will start to get treated a little better because when they first brought him back, he was cut. He's been cutting all these great promos, but then momentum kind of halt came at a screeching halt when Braun Strowman dumped him, threw him into a dumpster, and then he got dumped in the back of a garbage truck, which was, you know, and then the way he got taken out at Money in the Bank was bullshit as well. Eh, whatever. But you know, this one. Now, I don't expect it to be a show sealer, but I expect it to be one of the best matches of the pay-per-view. And um, as of right now, my prediction is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to win. And then they'll be, you know, bragging about their victory on the new day. And hey, who knows? Maybe they'll get a tag title shot at some point. Not sure which tag team they'll get a shot with, but you know, that's my prediction that at some point they'll get a tag title shot. And the next match is the Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch defending against Lacey Evans again not sure why we're having this match again because we already had it last month and they already said earlier this year no more automatic rematches which you know they created all these rules and obviously it's all bullshit so why why does it even matter um man because they already had Becky lose one belt a month after a well, month and a half after winning it in the grand fashion at WrestleMania and the women's First ever women's main event of WrestleMania. And I don't anticipate that they're going to have her lose the Raw Women's Championship just yet. But at the same time, I didn't expect her to, to lose the, the SmackDown Tag title. That I don't even know why I said SmackDown Tag. The SmackDown Women's title last month, even though we all kind of suspected it. Um, but as of right now, I'm predicting that Becky Lynch is going to retain the Raw Women's Championship and hopefully move on to fight other people for the belt. Because as big a, as much of a fan of Lacey Evans as I am, I do love Lacey Evans. Um, she entertains me very much so, and she is goddamn gorgeous, especially this week. Whew, like I said on Twitter, this week on Raw, she was just extra fine. <clears throat> Anyways. I uh, hope this match will pop will be better than their match at Money in the Bank. Because their match at Money in the Bank was not bad. It was just, after all that build-up, it was kind of just, meh. It was just kind of there. You know, but, you know, hopefully it'll be a better match and it'll benefit both participants, but my prediction, Becky Lynch to retain. And then we have Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. A WrestleMania rematch. For why, I don't know. You know but, and again... Another storyline that I don't really care about. But I'm just going to go ahead and say. I predict Drew McIntyre to win this one. And more more than likely. Continue it at Extreme Rules. In some kind of match. Maybe false count anywhere. Who knows. Uh, But now the the two main event matches. For the pay-per-view. We have Seth Rollins defending the Universal Championship. Against Baron Corbin. Again with a special guest referee. That as of right now. We have no idea who it's going to be. You know, they, they were teasing it on Raw and SmackDown this week, but we, as of right now, have no idea. As of this recording, recording this right now at one twenty a.m. Thursday, um, we have no idea who that referee is going to be. Uh, either way, I'm actually very much intrigued by this match and interested because um, they've actually done a pretty good job of building up Barry Corbin for this match. I mean, the one at Super Showdown was you know, like I said, I didn't watch it, but you know, I heard a lot of good things about that about that match, but they didn't really build up much for that match. But they've done a good job at building up this one. Um, you know, like this week we saw Seth Rollins being, you know, a badass, just beating the shit out of everyone with a chair on Raw and on SmackDown. You know, for anyone that uh teases or is possibly going to be referee on Baron Corbin's behalf, got their ass beat by Seth Rollins with a steel chair. But the closing image we saw on Raw was Baron Corbin beating Seth with a chair. You know, which, you know, if you follow WWE booking over the years, usually the one that's on that, go, that comes out on top on the go-home show before the pay-per-view, they're usually the one who loses. But who knows. Yeah. But... Like I've been saying, I'm predicting that Seth Rollins is going to hold on to the Universal title, at least until SummerSlam. You know, will they keep the belt on him that long? I have no idea. I hope they will, though, because they built him up so much about getting the Universal title at WrestleMania, and he won the title at WrestleMania in the most unexpected way that he did, and I just hope he's going to get the lengthy title reign he deserves because he had a lengthy WWE world title reign back in 2015. The only difference is this time he's a badass babyface, whereas in 2015 he was an asshole heel. Uh, but hey, I'm ex- I'm actually expecting this to be a very good match and potentially Baron Corbin's best match on the main roster since he came up to, WWE, to Raw and SmackDown three years ago at this point. So I'm hopeful that it will be a great match. And my prediction is Seth Rollins to retain, um. But you know they they and they keep referencing re- mentioning about Brock Lesnar, well, whether or not he's gonna cash in, because he had a failed cash in attempt, unofficial cash in attempt at Super Showdown. He never actually cashed it in, but he got beat up by Brock. Les- but uh, Brock got beat up by Seth Rollins. Um. Do I think he's gonna show up at Zombie Grounds? No, I don't think so. But You know, who knows? You never know. I mean, because we certainly didn't expect him to show up on Raw three weeks in a row. And, you know, honestly, that was the most entertaining Brock's been in a very long time. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But my prediction, Seth Rollins to retain, regardless of who the referee is going to be, which I don't have a prediction on who the referee is going to be. Uh, I just hope it's going to be a genuine surprise. And we... Come to the SmackDown main event, the WWE champion Kofi Kingston defending against Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match. <sighs> now, generally, steel cage matches can—it's—it's—it can go either way with how good or bad it's going to be. I—I am hopeful that it will be a good match because, I mean, especially since it's a P, you know the PG era, they, you know they don't do a lot of over the top you know violent spots in these kind of matches anymore but you know that doesn't mean it can't be a great match because my favorite steel cage match is Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at SummerSlam 1994 and that was the least violent steel cage match i have ever seen but it's still my all-time favorite steel cage match because the story told was just so fucking awesome and and if you've never watched it go on the wwe network SummerSlam 1994 check it out it went about thirty minutes, and it was awesome. Um, now I don't know if Kofi's ever been in an actual steel cage match. I know he's been in elimination chamber a few times, and they had the three on the three the New Day versus Usos out a tag team out in the cell match a few years ago. But I don't think he's been in an actual cage, see regular steel cage match, and I don't think Dolph Ziggler has either. It, he, but if he has, then I don't remember. But You know, but both men. I'm a big fan of both. Both are phenomenal athletes. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, I like a little bit more. Um, you know, I I do love Kofi Kingston. I got to meet him eleven years ago. Was when he was he was still pretending to be Jamaican. That was fun. Um, I haven't met. I've never met Dolph Ziggler, but you know, I I like him more because to me he's just a more entertaining wrestler, and his. Character is a little more entertaining in my opinion, even though since he came back a month ago, it's all he's done is just it should be me. It should have been me. Um but yeah. But I'm not really sure what to expect out of this match. I mean and they're gonna have a few good spots. They're gonna they're gonna have at least one big dive off the top of the cage, most likely from Kofi. Uh, either a big dive from the top of the cage or like a crazy like you know, superplex kind of move off the top of the cage. Either way, I'm I'm expecting a big spot somewhere in the match, and and I'm expecting Kofi to retain them the title, but then that he'll probably get attacked by someone after the match, setting up whatever match he's gonna have at Extreme Rules. Now, unless you know they decide to keep going with the Dolph Ziggler story for one more match, which I mean if they do, I'm okay with that. You know, their matches entertain me. The many matches that they've had over the years for the Intercontinental and U.S. titles. <coughs> Sorry. Um, who do I want to win? You know, for who I want to win, I, would, I want Dolph Ziggler, but I know he's not going to win. So, my prediction, Kofi Kingston to retain the WWE Championship and close out the first annual Stomping Grounds pay-per-view event. And that is it for this week's edition of the Men in Science podcast. I hope you all enjoyed listening and hearing what I had to say on Stompy Grounds and Endgame and Justice League and Project Comic Con and J.J. J. Abrams and all that good shit, and if you didn't enjoy it, thanks for tuning in anyway. Uh, please be sure to tune in next week because I will have another shootin' the shit podcast, which again, I don't think I'm using that phrase properly, but I'll be recapping everything that happens at Stomping Grounds, plus all the fallout on Raw and SmackDown, as well as any DC, Marvel, or other Hollywood big news that may come out between now and then. I hope you'll tune in for that. And again, don't forget to subscribe to the Men podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, CastBox, Radio Public, Breaker, or YouTube. And feel free to tweet me at IamFositude, that is I-A-M- F-O-Z-Z-I-T-U-D-E for all podcast updates or if you just want to chat with me for whatever. Uh, I'm good for that. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Fossitude, again at F-O-Z-Z-I-T-U-D-E to enjoy some of the pictures and memes and other good shit that I post on there from time to time. Uh, and feel please feel free to support the Venetize Podcast by donating on Patreon. If you become a patron of the podcast, you can submit any suggestions of topics for future podcasts with, along with your donations. And again, no topic is off-limits, so feel free to send me anything you want. And also, if, if you make a, a generous donation, it will contribute to the overall improving the overall quality of the podcast, where I can get better recording equipment, I can find better resources of how I can get this po- the content out there, even work on getting people to interview on this podcast. But, you know, it's all up to you guys if you want to donate. Uh, and as always, thank you all so much for tuning in and for subscribing. I love each and every one of you who do. I truly and genuinely do. And I hope you all enjoy your weekend. Please spend it with your loved ones if you can. This has been the Minutites Podcast. I am Julian